This is Saturday Skate on Sports Radio WEEI. Talking Bruins and the NHL with Ken Laird from the Kirk and Callahan Show. Full time hockey, like it is sure. Bruins writer Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports. A bunch of criminals. We ought to be in jail. That's all there is to it. Featuring contributions from WEEI.com Bruins writer Ty Anderson, former Bruin and WAAF personality Lyndon Byers, and nine year NHL veteran Ryan Whitney. Whitney has tied Sneaks in from the point. Saturday Skate is brought to you by AT&T and Star Market. Need this win. You know, we got a lot of losses. For yeah, we got a lot of losses. him up for some beast talk right now on Sports Radio WEEI. All right, so a team that is 25th in the league in scoring just lost a 19-goal man for a little while. Because, Admiral, I am an elite hockey mind, I'm going to go bold here and declare this is bad news. Bad news for the Bruins that we got here today. Uh, it's pretty pretty bad thing to wake up to a couple inches of snow, although we, we expect that in the winter, but it, it was compounded when we seen that. Well, an email I got about Pasternak being out. Um, it's the last thing this team needed right now is to lose a guy who's uh, scored, I mean, what, 20, uh, a quarter of their goals? I mean, is he's got 19 out of. 77 of their goals. Last week it was 30%. I got to go back and crunch the numbers again. Yeah. But it, well, it is yeah, incredible. Well, 20, 20 of 80 would be 40. So he's got all, over a quarter of their goals, and they are already struggling to score. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I mean, this Frank Vitrano is probably not the answer. I know they sent them to Providence. Uh, I should say they assigned him to Providence when he came back from injury to presumably get him into game shape. But uh, He did score a goal last night. He did. I wouldn't be surprised if, if that process gets accelerated. Uh, obviously, he's not a replacement for Pasternak, but... Uh, he is a goal scorer. That's what he does, and and the Bruins are going to need it. Uh, some semblance of a replacement. Obviously, you're not going to replace Pasternak at all. I shouldn't say at all, but uh, you're going to have to do something. And, and I think the best answer on the farm right now is is bringing up Vetrano. I agree uh, with you. And and you know we've talked about Vetrano is coming back off the foot injury uh, for the last couple of weeks, and you don't want to read too much or, or, or put too many hopes on him as saving the offense because no, you know, not at all. Especially when Pasternak's out, but he's got the kind of release and he's got the ability. That goal-scoring, uh, game-breaking ability this team just lacks in, in a lot of places uh, right now, especially, and you just re- I saw you put this up, Admiral, as part of your, your mailbag, uh, a lot of the questions this week about Bergeron and where he's been point-wise. His line has been okay consistently, but, but in terms of the production from Patrice Bergeron, four goals here through 32 games, and uh, what is he at point-wise? Nine points? Nine points, but I also... Did right because it's because it, he's hurt. I mean, I'm not I'm not picking on him that he's he's got to be better. I, it you know he's got to be better, but he's playing hurt, and I think that's that's the qualifier with with what I wrote. That, you know, again, it's he's he's a guy who gives all, so you don't like to criticize him willy nilly. You know, like some other some other players, you can have no problem criticizing, but you know, Bergeron's struggling because you know, uh, from what I understand, is his foot still is bothering him. Well, my question to start here today uh, would be just simply, and this is kind of a we, we've touched on this in different forms each of the last couple weeks here on Saturday Skate. Are the Bruins in trouble or, or are they just fine with their current situation? When you look at their division, other teams have been having some major issues as well, including the Montreal Canadiens, who last night, despite being the uh, you know still the top team in the division, had Carey Price pulled after four goals, Admiral. Uh, he gives a nasty, he gives one of those sideways glances as he storms off the ice and Side down the tunnel. I, I believe yeah. they caught. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he didn't come back out to watch the rest of the team play in the third period. 
and he refused to talk to reporters afterwards. So because everything's such a big issue in Montreal that gets uh, blown up, anything hockey-related. Well, uh, this- of course, the history of goaltenders glaring at um, pl- sure. coaches on the bench. There's, there's a storied history there in Montreal, Yeah, even from, if it's one story. On <laughs> yeah, I, so... I mean that'll be blown up in the in the last in the next twenty four hours or here in Montreal is they've got issues. Ottawa's stumbled here a bit. Tampa's in a bit of a free fall. Florida had a coaching change and they're trying to uh, to right the the ship a bit. Really, when you look at where the Bruins sit, they're in a playoff spot. They're in third place. They had you could spin it, I guess, as a decent week because they took three out of four points on the road. But you tell me, this, is this team in a good spot or no? Well, because- we're gonna we're gonna find out now with Pastro what they're really made of. Um, you know, a guy who's been carry, carrying their offense. Like I said, he's got a, a quarter of their goals. Uh, he had a third last week. Uh, this is what we're really gonna find out what this team's made of. Uh, I mean, I think they've shown quite a bit of resiliency this year. It's kind of been a, a somewhat of a trademark with Claude Coach teams over the years, and I think we have seen that this year. Uh, but yeah, this this week is well, we we know he's gonna be out at least two games per the team statement, Pastanak. Um, so if it's only two games, then that shouldn't be that big of a deal. I mean, you know, a you, couple games w- without your, your your best goal scorer, it shouldn't be an insurmountable thing. Uh, if it if it goes more than that, then you know it, it would be cause for concern. I mean, we got the Kings in tomorrow. Mm-hmm. They're, they're one of those teams. I mean, you know, you're not sure what you're going to get out of the Kings. I think they uh, they crept back into the playoff picture uh, out west, but I think they're third in the Pacific, right behind Anaheim. Yeah, actually, yeah, they're actually yeah, they're actually first wild card right now. I okay. think Anaheim passed them uh, a night or two ago, but. Either way, they're 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 the Kings, though. They're still an established team. Um, I, I don't know that they're going to get fouled with Peter Budai in net, but he's doing it for them right now. And then the, they lost quick for a long time, right? Couple. Yeah, he's out. He's out for several months. And yeah. then the, they, let's see, they got the Bruins, got the Islanders Tuesday. So, you know, a couple games they they should be able to survive without Pastanak. Um, I it just seems like a somewhat of a routine elbow situation. I, I, that's funny. The second guy who's had some sort of bursa uh, operation back us being the other one on this team so far, but. I don't think if it was a long-term issue, then it, it would definitely be, you know, panic alarm situation. But, you know, they're, they're talking maybe two, possibly three games. You know, I, I think they'll be fine in the in that time. Bacchus missed five games with it earlier in the year. You want the medical, the official medical definition here? The olecranon bursitis. It's the pointy bone on the tip of the elbow. Yeah. I guess when you bang it enough or you fall on it, it starts to puss up. Ugh. It gets infected in some cases, so they have to take it out in some kind of surgical procedure. Uh so that's what's happened, and uh, he, you know, at least a week, these, as you say. All these elbow injuries sounds more like a bantam team than a professional team. But well, uh, hey, we talked Pasternak before. <laughs> I said injury prone, and you didn't want to hear it. You didn't want to hear injury prone. Here it is again, another an, uh, another ailment for David Pasternak. Well, I, see, I think injury prone. I think that gives off the vibe that a guy's a wimp. I, I think that I think that's how people hear that injury prone. Well, the guy's not tough. Well, the guy, I, I just. It's just you know, a matter of fact. He is prone to injury. He has been in the last three or four years, uh, going back to even before they drafted him. Right. I think when, and I'm not saying you do. I think a lot of times people use that. They, they use it in a, in a kind of a derisive way, like, "Oh, he's injury prone." Well, I mean, if you go out and you compete and you and you get hurt because you're competing, you know, I don't think that's any question of, of someone's toughness or, or anything like that. I mean, you know, like Gron- like Gronk's the perfect example. Like, yeah, well, injury, he's injury prone. prone. Well. Yeah, but look what look at the guy. Look at the way the guy plays football. Of course, he's going to get hurt once in a while. I mean, he's an absolute savage out there. It's only it's only expected that he's going to get hurt once in a while. But, but there are some guy like Cogliano, that guy for the Ducks, played in his seven hundred and fiftieth straight game or something the other night. They were throwing that graphic up on Nesson. Yeah, that guy has played nine years in the league. Yeah, consecutive without missing a game. That's yeah. some guys just uh, and and that's there's an extremely high amount of luck involved in that. Those are, those are rare, rare 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 birds, you know, to have a guy who goes that long without missing a game. It's 
you know, it's very rare. That, but Postadoc's frame and his the way he's built has got to factor into it. Some. I don't think it has anything to in do with case, his elbow. In this case, maybe not. In this yeah. case, maybe not. The elbow, I think, it's, I think you're right. It's just, it's just a minor thing. Well, who plays there in his stead would be the short term. Uh, because you're right, they, they they played without him a couple times this year. He got suspended for two games. They were fine. They won both of those games on October 26th and 29th. Uh, they beat Detroit and Florida, I think, both on the road. And then he was injured in November. He missed three. They were one and two in that stretch. So all in all, they've been you know three and uh, was it three and two, three and two without uh, Pasternak this year. So it's if it's a couple games, no big deal. If Vetrano's ready, I would agree with you. That'd be my choice. Uh, Ty Anderson, who was going to be in uh, our uh, beat guy, but he's had some car troubles uh, here, as uh, probably many people have with the weather. He's not going to be able to make it in, but he he said uh, it's time for Jimmy Hayes to get the spot. He wants to see Hayes up there to profile him, try to rehabilitate his image enough to move him, if you can, at the deadline for anything, and give the guy one last shot to play with elite players. I don't personally want to see that, but I'm sure it's something they'll consider. You know, they've tried everything with Hayes to try to get him off the schneid. Yeah, I mean, and Claude continues to use him on the power, on the second power play, um, despite you know his, his lack of production. Um, I don't know that Jimmy's the best guy to put in Pasternak's stead right now. I, I, I go Steed stead. I don't think that's probably the best call. I, I mean, if if they do decide to call Vetrano up, I would I would prefer they throw him in there. I mean, you know, Jimmy's just really struggling, and I, and I get the idea. Oh, you put him with you know, put him with Krejci, or put him with. Wherever you, whatever you want to throw him up on one of the top two lines, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't think he's the best option right now. Um, he's just having a tough year. I mean, his confidence is is probably shot. He got the one goal and thought maybe that might change things, and, and it just hasn't. Uh, it, you know, again, Claude may do it where he, you know, he's he's deemed him worthy of second unit power play time lately. Still, uh, he could throw him there uh, because you know he is a veteran. He's got some more games under his belt than a kid in Providence, but. Uh, based on what we've seen from him this year, I, I don't think that's the best option for the Bruins right now. Tell us what you think. 617-779-7937. Texts at 37937. Who would you put up for Pasternak? Will they be fine without him for a couple of games? And just in general, where do you, what do you think about the Bruins and where they're situated right now in terms of the standings 32 games in? Saturday skate, Ken Laird and Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports. We think... I'm just tired of promoting anything on this show because uh, we've had some bad luck. But Ryan Whitney says he will be along at 3.30 today. So we're going to get former BU defenseman Ryan Whitney's take on all these. We're brought to you by AT&T, mobilizing your world. Star Market, see what makes us shine. And by Wise Snacks. The week that was, uh, Admiral, tough to, uh, when you look at what's happened here, I, I would say it was a just an okay week. Hard to say it was a great week. They- they've technically lost five out of six, including... A week ago, we were talking about a Toronto team coming in that looked ripe for the beating. Yep. That's a pretty bad 4-1 to loss last Saturday. Mm-hmm, that was ugly. And followed a bad loss to Colorado. With another bad team. So there are very few teams in the NHL where you can look at the standings and say, they stink. Those are two of them. You're mm-hmm. supposed to beat. You're supposed to beat them at home, particularly. Uh, the Bruins lay a couple of eggs. Then they go on the road to Montreal and have... One of the best games that, of the season. That was one of the best games, period, yep. in the league I watched this year. And I'm not just saying that as, as a Bruins fan and a local guy. I mean, that was a wildly entertaining game that had playoff intensity, had the hits, had the biased officials, had everything. I mean, that game was a, a, a fantastic game to watch. The other biased day. officials, although they got a call in overtime to help them win the game. Oh, it was a legit call. I mean, they missed a lot of calls. The They're, offside, you, th- you think they were, that was a legit non 
inconclusive. Oh, wait, wait, I thought you were talking about, wait, what? what? Well, the, they had the review for offsides on the Spooner winner, if you remember, and the, it, it looked like he was off, but the angle, oh, I guess, was I, down I, the I ice. I meant a penalty call. No, that, I, that was nothing to overturn there. There was nothing that you could see and overturn that goal. It, but if it were biased officials, there was plenty enough there. Well, there was, was plenty. Did of you doubt. watch the ref? Did you ref watch the calls and non-calls in the first three periods? I know, but I'm so you're yeah, saying you, it's are you aware of the history of of biased calls in Montreal? I are am. You, but the if the Bruins... a, there was a questionable call that went the Bruins' way, you would agree that went to review. Well, no, I, went, I mean it was it called the goal Boston. on the ice, right? It was called the goal on the ice. I understand. There was nothing. There was nothing even close to conclusive to overturn that. So, and it wasn't the referee's call, anyways. It's Toronto's call. So the ref. Well, that's can, a good point. So it's yeah. Try again. <laughs> okay, it goes to Toronto. Fair enough. But they, yeah, okay. No. He, but regardless, they escaped there with some points. Yes. Two sure. points. Huge. Uh, but in terms of the game itself, which a lot of people I know didn't see because they were watching Patriots on a Monday uh, night. Great, great schedule in NHL. I agree with you, but it, but it was it's a terrific game, and these are the games you only get four of now. They're down to yeah. one game with the Canadians. Yeah, it's a, it, that is a bummer of, with the new formats that we don't get them more, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I, and we've talked about this before as well in the program, but I, I would like to see fewer games against the West. I just would. I would knock it down to one game against every team in the West. You don't want another one of those? Uh, I think, no, I, I think every team, every team should meet at least once a year. I, I'm, as a guy who used to be a season ticket holder, just as a fan of the league, I, I don't like not meeting every team in the league. That's just something I don't, I, I think they should keep, you know, every, every team, you know, as a fan, you want to see every other, every other player in the league. And, you know, obviously nowadays you can, what the center ice packages and all these other ways to watch games, we, they're certainly available, but I, I still think teams should all meet at least once a year. Uh, I would maybe, Perhaps maybe take a game away from um, games versus the Metropolitan Division. Maybe you know, maybe one or two of those, and you know, kind of maybe one opponent. Not in, now, not every team in your division you're going to play five times now, but maybe a couple. Maybe Montreal is kind of a you know a special rivalry, and you know it'll give a little bit of imbalance. But yeah, yeah, I, I wish they did play more because you know it's it just everybody watching that game had to feel like it was a it was a different. It felt like a playoff game, oh, as you say, compared to trotting it out against Colorado or even the Anaheim game Thursday. Yeah, and of course that's you know the the next game versus Pittsburgh. I thought that was a pretty good game as well because yeah. the talent level. Now going back to you know Colorado, they do stink. Toronto stinks, but there's a caveat there. They're pretty. They're a, probably the most talented, the bad team in the league right now. You know, I'm not. The Bruins still should have beat them, but you know, losing to Colorado is just a mess right now. Whereas Toronto has a has has quite a bit of talent on that roster. I mean, Colorado has some, but I don't know what happened to them, man. They just fell off the fell off the earth. Well, and you brought up again. We can talk touch ah, on this later in the uh, that came back up again. That's yeah, it did. heard first on skate thanks to <laughs> Rear Admiral. He started to fan the Aginla Trade Flames, and there have been a lot of some of the other bigger names on that team now. The younger stars that have been floated out for possible for you know for trade bait. But Toronto to make it even more frustrating. The first period they outshot of what eleven to two the Bruins, and they couldn't score. Yeah, so, so it's scoreless, and then Austin Matthews rips one, and and you're behind, and all of a sudden it's the Garden. Yeah, uh, faithful get a little restless, and they can't win at home. They have seven no, and eight at home. And honestly, it's like it's like Amityville Horror in that place. You know, they just there's there's no home field home field, home ice advantage. And I I saw a graphic the other night. Uh, I think they're they're the fifth from the bottom in um, home winning percentage over the last two years, and every team below them is terrible. It's this year you know, they're twenty seventh in the league in points, twenty seventh out of thirty teams in home points. And you know, I know that was a complaint when they first moved into the building, but you know, if, obviously we've seen what that building can do noise wise. We, we've seen how loud the fans can be when they're into it. But but lately, man, it's it just the, the crowd's not into it. 
Uh, that, and, you know, I, I know that has an effect on the team. And like I say, the team doesn't matter. The team still has to go out and perform regardless of if the crowd's into it. But um, some of those games, man, it's just like, uh, you know, Thursday night like Colorado. I mean, that was just – it was like dead in there. I mean, you can, you can you know, hear people coughing on, on the on the telecast. You know? Well, well, speaking of the Thursday game, and if you look a little deeper into the schedule, and Ty Anderson wrote about this on our website at WEI.com, the schedule has been particularly harsh on the Bruins. That Thursday game against Colorado a week ago, and this one against Anaheim were both – Back-to-back nights, right? And, and the third or fourth and fourth of six, too. Right. So Ty crunched the numbers. That was the Bruins' eighth set of three games and four nights this year. Wow. Okay? That's a lot. So they've had eight. Compare that to Ottawa, who's had just four. Montreal has had five. The Bruins have had eight. Blue Jackets, who are the hottest team in hockey, only four. Hmm. The Capitals have had only two stretches of three games and four nights this year. The Bruins' schedule was just worked out, again, where they've had eight of it. And if you want to go to the back-to-back nights, he crunched the numbers there as well. Uh, they're 1-5 right now in playing in back-to-backs, which I can't imagine many teams in the NHL do well in that situation. I, um, there's probably a, a website which you know churns those out. But uh, the Canadians have had four of them compared to Boston's six. And the Senators have had only four and have only 12 on the year. The Bruins have had six and they have another Eight to go, so it does. It's not even. The, the point is, the Bruins. It, it sounds like an excuse when you start bitching about the schedule, right? But they have had a particularly tough go of it in terms of back-to-back games and games crunched in a four-day span. Yeah, when you read those numbers off, it, it, it definitely doesn't sound fair. I mean, eight back-to-backs. That's that's a lot for for only in December, and other teams have only had yeah, three or four. I mean, you know, you, you are sapped, especially when you you know, like uh, Thursday night, you're coming home after a game in Pittsburgh, and the team has been there for 24 hours waiting for you. Like, you know, that, that hadn't played for a couple couple days. And again, the schedule is the schedule, and I, ideally it should come all come out in the wash with, with other teams. Now, I, I don't mean good job on Ty Grunch and the numbers, I, but I don't know if in the course of the year if they pan out. If, in other words, if, you know, the second half of the schedule. Yeah, you, you know, think the, it would even out of these bit. These teams are going to get a bunch of those. But yeah, the schedule hasn't been the Bruins' friend. I mean, December, they've had, they have. 16 games in 31 days. That's that's a ton of games. And the three and four nights are tough, especially with the travel involved, four and six. I mean, yeah, you have to go out and do it. And, you know, you don't want to make an excuse. But I think when, you know, you're criticizing the team at certain stretches of the schedule, it, it is, you know, worthy of mentioning that they have played a ton of hockey in a short period of time. Well, and looking at all that, I would say then, Admiral, no reason to panic. They're fine. They took three out of four points playing two of the best teams in the league, Montreal and Pittsburgh, and that Monday-Wednesday. You look at the Thursday home losses, yeah, it sucks, but they were back-to-back nights. The rest of the division is kind of crumbling. Okay, you're going to lose Pasternak for a couple games, but you're getting Vetrano back. Rask is still playing great. The lines were jumbled up this week. They got a little production. Wouldn't say they were, uh, you know, uh, getting Bergeron back to a place where you believe everything is right with this team again, or, or or rolling four lines like Pittsburgh when they're at their best. But they did spread the wealth a little bit. Marshan had a couple this week. Uh, Krejci had a couple. They got a power play goal, finally, against Anaheim. So there are some good signs. I would say they're in okay position right now. The, uh, you know, the, the, the counter to that would just be, they've we've seen this before the last, two years where they've hung around the bubble and then they were not able to turn it on when it counted down the stretch. So this is the time of year you should be taking advantage of other teams struggling to, to get on a run like Philly or Columbus have done. Right. They're squandered points. There's no, no right. two ways about it. I mean, and, and well, Anaheim, let's not throw, by any stretch, throw Anaheim in there with 
Tampa. I mean, I'm sorry, with Toronto and Colorado. Anaheim is a is a, is a damn good team. They they started off slow. They started off pretty bad, actually. Uh, you take a look now. The what the two points back of San Jose in the Pacific. I mean, they're 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 a contender. That top uh, line is really good. There, it, there were stretches that second yeah, period. They where Getzloff and Perry were just dominant. They can they can dominate. So let's you know let let's let's acknowledge that Anaheim Ducks are, are a great team. That the Bruins lost to like. The Bruins' effort wasn't was sloppy. I wouldn't. They, they did have an effort. I, they they did they did play hard. They were just sloppy. Anton Hudobin wasn't good. He needs to be a lot better. Um, but that goes back to what we were just saying. Third game in four nights. Fourth game in six six nights. Any team is gonna start you know getting tired, and that's what happens when a team gets tired is they start making the sloppy mental errors, and we saw a lot of that in that game Thursday. So again, yeah, it is making a little bit of an excuse. Uh, but the Hadovin, if Hadovin was a, just a little bit better, they would have got a point out of that game. There you go. Night. Bitching about the backup goalie again. We're going <laughs> to get into that a bit later in the show. Saturday skate continues. We think Ryan Whitney's going to be along. We'll get his uh, take on a couple of these issues plaguing the team. As a former BU guy, maybe he's got a uh, affinity for Matt Grizzlick, I don't know, who made his debut and got a couple games under his belt. Uh, I'm sure Whit can wait. You guys had a, an, another spirited Barstool Sports Spit and Chicklet po- uh, podcast this week. Excellent show with that. We had Colby Armstrong on, former Penguin, former Thrasher. So uh, check that out. But uh, we'll be back and uh, we'll talk about some of these issues, including Anton Kudobin, who continues to be the whipping boy, the 25th man on the roster, so to speak, uh, getting crushed uh, for some efforts in uh, his backup performances. Ken Laird and Rear Admiral. This is Saturday Skate on Sports Radio WEI. You are listening to Saturday Skate with Rear Admiral and Ken Laird on Sports Radio WEI. Saturday Skate presented by AT&T, Star Market, and Wise Snacks. Ken Laird and the Admiral from Barstool Sports. Something's wrong with my uh, call screener here, Admiral. I see Ryan Whitney. Is it? It's on the line. I'm is not that sure the who same, that is. Same you, guy in the back of the milk cotton. I think that, I've been wondering. <laughs> I think that is. You want to bring in your boy? This is uh, my co-host from the award-winning podcast, Spit and Chicklets, brought to you by Barstool Sports. Uh, Ryan, welcome to uh, the show. What's going on, fellas? I see Rear Admiral. You had him uh, play Rolling Stones for the lead, and is that like you're bullying the music now too? Uh, he not, totally yeah, is. I, totally yeah. true. Was that well, he does that on the podcast too? I'm like Casey oh, Case. I don't, I don't even get an option for our music. It's just, you know, what what R.A. wants, he gets. It's, you know, we're living in his world, Ken. I know. Just man. a reminder, Ryan, we are on the radio. This isn't a podcast, so mind your P's and Q's and watch your tongue. <laughs> All right. I'm ready. <laughs> What's going on, pal? What uh, what do you think? The Bruins, no Pasternak. He's, he's going to be out for a couple games. They're going to be able to survive his loss or what? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's luckily it's only going to be at most, I think, four or five games because I, I think it's pretty similar to what Backus had done to his elbow earlier. I think he missed five games. So, I mean, it just it just sucks for the kid because, you know, 19 goals right now, second in the league, so you have so much confidence. And then to miss any games, especially with an injury, I think he'll come back fine. It's always better as a player when you have an upper body injury just because you can continue to skate through it. Um, you'll be out there alone, but you can get on the ice, get on your skates, and you're not sitting in the gym, so it should be no big deal. It's just thanks for the Bruins because they need him. Um, you know, the way things have been going, I think the week wasn't awful for them, but it wasn't great either, and uh, they need him as much as they can. Ryan, when you hear media schlubs like myself throw injury-prone around for a guy like that, uh, Admiral and I have been debating that term the last couple of weeks, uh, what do you think? Is it is it legit, or there's just some guys that are more frequently injured than others, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I I've... I was severely injury prone. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's such a thing. I think it's just bad luck. 
Uh, you can kind of argue it one way or the other if a guy's always out. I mean, he, I guess he technically is injury-prone, but it's bad luck. I mean, you see certain things happen. Um, the only thing about Pasternak is he's, he's, he's smaller. I think that he's gotten stronger and bigger, uh, especially you know, on his feet on the ice. He's got great balance, but he's still slight. Um, so you can see once in a while he takes hard hits. You saw Yemelin just crush him. I was surprised he got up in Montreal when he took that hit last week. Um, but, I mean, you just don't want to see him take too many of those hits because the smaller you are, it's going to be tough. I think Marshawn's great. You watch him, how smart he is. He's able to really dodge hits. Sometimes he uh, he might go low and just kind of clip someone, but if that's what it takes to not get hit, that's what you got to do. you got to play mean, and Pasternak will learn. You just want to see him stay away from those big hits as much as he can. Speaking of Montreal, we noticed that your uh, favorite ex-coach got some dirty looks thrown his way last night by his goaltender. <laughs> Did you happen to catch I that? Know. Gary Price, I, I mean, what was he pissed off? I mean, he gave up four goals. He got yanked. I mean, I mean, is, is, he, is he really a bad move to pull your goalie after giving up four goals? No, I mean, you don't know. I mean, a guy like that has the right um, to pretty much be pissed off whenever he's taken out of a game. I mean, he's the best goalie in the league. By the way, I called he's the best goalie in the world. You, you didn't agree with that at the beginning of the year. I believe I, right. I, believe I just wanted clarification, that's all. <laughs> no, I, I said, oh, <laughs> well, is he now, the best? And I, I, didn't, I don't think I dispute you. I just was just kind of surprised to, to hear you call him that. But Yeah, I mean, I, 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 all right, all right, you're right. It's an opinion. Ken, do you think he's the best in the world? I would go with that, sure. Okay, so you got to think that at any point that guy gets taken out, he's thinking in his head, I want to battle, I want to stay in here. We're good because of me. He probably can't stand Terry and like most other guys who played for him. So in a way, <laughs> in a way he's just, he's just kind of disgusted by getting taken out. I think he looks back on it. He probably realizes, you know, why it was done. But Yeah, four, um, four goals on 18 shots in 26 minutes is terrible. You know, I think, you know, I mean, I, didn't, I honestly didn't see every, every goal to break down. I was, I was tied up last night. But Well, Terrian said he pulled him in part to play him because they got another game tonight. He wanted to play him tonight. So he wanted, that was his excuse. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Well, just, I, yeah, I mean, it's just don't start him then. I mean, you see the Bruins with, with Rass. I mean, what game was that earlier in the year when they didn't start him? Uh, and they start him in Buffalo or whatever. You know, don't don't play him if you're gonna if you're thinking about the next night because you can't say that's the reason you pulled him. I don't I don't blame him for pulling him. I really don't. I just think that Price has has an, has the right to be upset with whenever he gets pulled because without him, where are the Canadians? You saw last year no, where they were. Absolutely. But what about now? You know, he he plays in Montreal. He knows everything is magnified now. You know, he knows giving a giving a dirty look over to the coach like that is is going to be a thing up there. I mean, we have the, we, the I said it's a storied tradition. Even it consists of one story. It's Patrick Warr, Mario Tremblay, but a great story nonetheless. Now you're talking about you know a, a first place team, uh, 42 points. What are they third in the conference? You know, does that risk of him doing that? Does that risk of becoming this huge story that that the, the team really doesn't need in Montreal? Doesn't he kind of run the risk of making a mountain out of a molehill? Yeah, I, I, I do agree with that just because of how things are run up there and the media. and You know, you know it's, it's going to be talked about on Hockey Night in Canada tonight and all that stuff. But at the same time, I mean, Price, is a, he looks very calm and net. He's never out of position. So he just seems like this calm, cool, collected guy. But he's, he's, a, he's a competitor. He's a very fierce competitor. And so I don't think at any point when you're an athlete or, you're, or a goalie, especially, and you're pulled, He's not thinking, oh, I don't want to do anything because the media will catch, catch glimpse of me giving an evil eye, and then it's a story. He's just, he's just upset. He's, it's in the moment. Um, he's right in the moment, and he's furious. I'm sure in the end he's probably like, oh, now I'm answering questions about this. I shouldn't have done it. But at the time, he just he felt a certain way and didn't really, 
didn't really care what, what was going to happen at that point. And, and I think the fact he didn't take questions is was probably a good move because it does help put that fire out. And then, you know, the team already come out, or whoever come out and said, oh, he's playing tonight, they're in, in Washington tonight. He st- he plays tonight, and win or lose, the story does kind of go away. So, uh, you know, I yeah. guess he did. He, he probably did, is smarter than some of the media up there where, he, you know, all he has to do is wait it out, go play a game, and, and it will blow over because, you know, they're still in first place at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, they're doing fine. And and, it, and without him, like I said, I mean, he, he's he's a true MVP. I mean, you see how that guy, he just changes. He changes the team completely. Ryan Whitney's our guest here on Saturday Skate on Sports Radio WEI. Ryan, of course, former NHL defenseman and former Boston University defenseman. You still keep in touch with the guys at BU, Ryan? And uh, uh, Matt Grizzlick got his debut this week. Uh, glad to see yeah. that. Yeah, I was, I was so happy for him. I got to know... Um, Matt, I skated with BU. I think it was his sophomore or junior year before I went over to Russia. Great kid, really good player. Um, it's funny, I, I, I was excited for him when he originally got drafted by the Bruins, and I didn't really know what to expect because he is undersized. And you see now in the NHL, it really doesn't matter if you're undersized. Before, if you were a, a defenseman, 5'9", five, 5'10", five, in college or playing junior, I mean, you almost had like no chance to get to the NHL, and it's completely changed where if you can skate, you can play. And that's why it's great for Grizzly. As, as, as well as he moves, I knew he'd get a chance. Um, I think from the time he got to BU, and, and I watched a good amount of his games. I mean, not every one, but you saw, I saw him and talking to scouts. He, gets way, he got way better offensively. Uh, I don't think he'll ever necessarily be a 50-point guy in the NHL, but he's a great puck mover. He could skate. And more than anything, you know, having known him and being friends with him, he's just a good kid. I was happy for him, really happy for his dad. I mean, I'm sure... Everyone kind of knows the story of how long he's worked at the Garden. So that's just one of those good stories where I, I think the, the more chance he gets to play, uh, I like him, you know, third pairing right now, good, you know, 14, 15 minutes should be perfect for him. And I think Bruins fans are going to see that he's not an overly physical guy. So people in Boston obviously will, will dislike that. But he moves the puck well. He can skate, sees the ice. Just the type of guy the Bruins need, to be honest. They need puck movers back there. Yeah, he, he you know what, what stood out to me, Ryan, is that you haven't, uh, and I always say this about young defensemen, is you, you haven't noticed him make any mistakes out there. That's when you typically notice a young defenseman. If anything, you noticed him because he, he actually made a couple of nice plays his first game. He you know, almost almost produced a goal, almost got an assist. He, you know, he was involved a couple times, and you know, he, just, he just fit right in. And, and a lot of times with a, with a young defenseman, or a, I, I should say a guy's first game in the league, you know, you, you're expecting at least you know, one or two mistakes out there. But we didn't get that out of him. And, uh, no, I mean, I think... Oh, sorry, I no, didn't mean to interrupt you. But. No, that's right. And um, it's funny. I, I there was a lot, a lot, a lot made on Twitter during the game. And Doc Emmerich, who was you know among the best at what he does, was butchering his name. He was calling him Grill Chick, I guess. And, <laughs> and during the game, Doc had said, you know, that's he got bad intel, and that's basically he was told how to how to uh, say the name. But it coincidentally, only, P- only Pierre knew. That's embarrassing. When Pierre's the only yeah, guy that knows your name, Pierre was the only guy. But I, I was on my way in here Thursday night, and I actually bumped in. I stopped in T. Anthony's. And I bumped in. Matt was in there. I, ironically, quest, ironically enough, was in there, and I was shooting the breeze with him as a you know fellow resident, former former resident of Charlestown. Right. And uh, we were shooting the breeze, and I was telling him his dad got interviewed between the game, and he actually said Doc Emmerich uh, apologized to him for for screwing his name up. He said, you know, he didn't have to do that. He he went out of his way to to seek him out and tell and say, I'm sorry, I screwed your name up. So. Oh, maybe maybe Doc is a Wire fan and knows that you know your name is your name, Ryan. Yeah, I love I love too how you say you randomly ran into him at T's. Like you were you didn't know he was going there. You were just waiting for him. <laughs> you were stalking him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. If he if he put it on Twitter, if he actually posted on Twitter and then I showed up there, you you might have a case. But now he yeah. he's a no, night. Nice, about his name, it's about his name. I was laughing because 
I think I, I I don't know if somebody told um, Doc Emmerich, who, like you said, he, what a good guy he is too. I guarantee the next time he sees Matt or meets him, he'll apologize. He's a really good guy that I'm sure was embarrassed, but he did. He's always working those national games with Eddie Old Chuck, and the last name of Old Chuck looks like Grizzlick. So who knows what he was thinking, but. Uh, the fa- the final few letters really messed with him. I heard him calling him Grillcheck, and I was like, is he, is he messing with us right now? Like, Who is Grillcheck? And then I realized, I'm like, oh, my God, that's grizzly to him. This is disgusting. That's why that's why you can't go wrong with Grizzy, because that is one name. I mean, exactly. usually when you're you know writing the blogs or stories or whatever, you kind of, okay, you learn the name, and then that's it. You learn it once, maybe twice. But I do have to go back and hit look his up quite a bit. That's a tough one. Hey, Whit, uh, yeah, no. I was say, you mentioned Ed Zone. He- uh, you never played for Edzo, right? You were just you came in when Tarion was there in Pittsburgh. No, I did. Oh, did you play did for Edzo? Play okay. For Edzo. I played. Um, I got called up eight games into that year. He was coaching Crosby's rookie year. It was mine, and then he got fired. What was it around Christmas? Okay. Well, you played for a couple different coaches in the league. When uh, Claude, I don't think unless in some international competition you you played for him. But uh, what do you think of Julian? What do, what do you? He's been in the league. Been here so long. He's he's always kind of just on the hot seat now, uh, but. No, it's hard to tell whether that's serious or not. Do you, do you think the Bruins are in good hands here with Julian? And would if if things go bad here in the next couple of weeks, would they consider making a move? Well, it's it's a funny question because I feel like he takes a lot of heat in this city. And when I was still playing, um, and then you know, even before they won the cup, you, you kind of heard like people were sick of him coaching here, and they wanted a new new face behind the bench. And as the years have gone on, and how he's continued to do well. Um, with rosters that aren't really built to, to be that good. I mean, you, you can go and talk about how the Bruins were set to be great for, for eight to ten years and kind of mess that all up. But since that's happened, I think they, they've had rosters that he's gotten the most out of the roster that he can. Um, you look at the team this year, I, I, I didn't even, I mean, granted, there's a lot of hockey left. I didn't think they would make the playoffs, not that they have or they'd be in position to, but right now they're third, they're third in the Atlantic and, um, I, I put it this way: If he were to get fired, he would have a job immediately around the league. I mean, this is a guy who's won a cup and continues every year to have competitive teams, even though the last, you know, they missed the playoffs, but they're right there with a roster. A lot of other coaches, I think, couldn't even get that close. And as far as you're aware, from guys, guys you talk to in the league, he's pretty well respected by player. I mean, guys like playing for him. Yeah, I mean, I, it's funny you ask you ask guys around the league, and I remember when I played. Nobody likes their coach. <laughs> you like your coach? No, no, I can't can't really stand him. But you, they do respect him. There's a difference between disliking a coach and then not respecting him. Uh, Julian demands respect. I think that's one thing that you can tell. Uh, he gets on guys. Uh, the only frustrating thing for me as a fan and you know watching hockey is just some some usage of guys. It doesn't make sense. I mean, this you see certain guys. Uh, you know, even Pasternak doesn't start power plays occasionally, and uh, the way he can kind of put out a power play frustrates me a little at times, but he's a respected coach that, that guys do know you got to play hard for. Ryan, I know we haven't seen much of him. Not much, we haven't seen any of him yet this year. We have seen him 39 games collectively. Uh, Frank Vitrano, what, what do you think his ceiling is as, as an uh, NHL player? Uh, it's, not, it's not fair for me to say, only because I saw him a little last year. Uh, and I haven't seen him enough, but you could tell great shot, moves well. Um, the only thing that, that worried me a little last year, and part of it is being a rookie and, and, not, and being afraid to make plays, but you, you didn't see um, a lot of like, vision ability. I mean, I think that he gets the puck in the slot, he's a threat to score, but making plays coming over the line, you didn't see much of that. 
Now, granted, like like I said, he could have been younger and kind of nervous to make plays, but he can definitely shoot the puck. Um, at the same time, I remember playing with a guy, Michelle Ouellette, who was a great scorer in, in the AHL, um, you know, 30 to 40 goals every year, and he just kind of couldn't translate up to the NHL. So you see a guy have a ton of success in the minors, and, that's, and that doesn't necessarily mean in the NHL you're going to be able to score and produce like that. So um, I know, and I'm not really answering your question, but I just haven't seen him enough. I think the Bruins are, are praying that he comes back and can be a 20-goal guy, uh, not this season, but, you know, on pace for 20. And that's what they need. They need, they need more scoring. So he's going to get a really good chance to play on a top line and help them when he comes back. Um, it seems like it's been a while. It must have been a legit foot surgery. I don't remember. I didn't hear the exact injury, but it seems like, I mean, this is a long time of the year to be missing. Yeah, he's, well, he's back playing. He, they, they assign him to Providence, I mean, presumably to get him in game shape. And, I mean, okay, I, all right. I, I wasn't even, I'm sorry, I wasn't even aware of that. So he's probably down there just for conditioning, I would, I would think. Right. Yeah, it's not, I mean, it seems like a guy that they're going to at least kind of throw in the lineup. I mean, they've been bringing in, you know, bleed, and they've brought uh, Dan Hine up a couple of times. It only makes sense that they would probably throw, you know, arguably the best sniper in Providence in, in the lineup up here in Boston to see what he's got. So uh, oh, He'll get a chance. He'll get a chance for sure. Well, Ryan, but before we let you go, uh, just based on what you've seen now, 32 games in, I mean, we've still got 60% of the year left. Uh, are the Bruins in or not by the time the end of the year rolls around? You know, I, you know from co-host of the show with Admiral, like he, they're a lock in terms – they cannot miss in terms of the rear's uh, outlook. But uh, are they in a good spot or no? Are they in a good spot? Um, I mean, yeah, right now they're in, so they're in a good spot. <laughs> right now it's, it's ideal, but it just it, – it depends on Truka. And I, I'm a huge fan. I, it drives me nuts listening to people call in that don't like his game. I don't understand it. Uh, they're one and eight when he doesn't play this year. So I mean, look at that. Without him, they're not where um, even close to where they are. And if he continues to be good, they, they will get in. If he continues to have a, if he has a great season, uh, they'll get in the playoffs. It's just they really do depend on him because they don't score enough. Um, if they can, you know, maybe get something at the deadline, I don't really know what'll be out there. I've, I've heard again, RA's all on that. I don't know what he has left really, but um, if they don't figure out how to score more, it just relies on Tuca and if he can continue this great season he's had so far, then they should get in. Uh, I don't know how far they go, probably a one-and-out kind of thing, but um, it's better than where I thought they'd be at this point in the season. Good stuff, Whit. Uh, good catching up with you. Keep rear in line over at Barstool Sports and the Spitting Chicklets, and uh, we'll catch up soon. All right, I'll try. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for coming on, Wits. Bye. There's See ya. Ryan Whitney, nine-year NHL vet, BU alum. I think he graduated from BU. Did he graduate? Uh, I don't think anyone graduates uh, when they play hockey at BU, and that's not a knock on them. It's just they, they're usually pretty skilled that they don't, they leave before yeah, their four, four years four. is up. Actually, Grizzlick is probably one of the few exceptions. He actually did his four years there. Well, we'll get to the phones. Mike and some others hanging in there at 617-779-7937. Good segue from Ryan talking about Rask and the importance of the goaltending situation. I want to get into more of Kadobin and the heat he's taken mm-hmm. over his last couple of appearances. Uh, Rear is ready to crush Anton Kadobin as the reason this team loses every time they lose. Uh, we'll discuss whether that's actually the case or not. Saturday Skate, Ken Laird and Rear Admiral from Barstool Sports brought to you by AT&T, Star Market, and Wise Snacks. You are listening to Saturday Skate with Rear Admiral and Ken Laird on Sports Radio WEEI. Last Saturday, skate for a little while. Holidays approaching next Saturday. You'll have NFL games on. Pat's Jets will be a, a 1 o'clock kick. College Final Four in two weeks, Admiral, if you can believe that. Peach Bowl will be carrying 
on Saturday the 31st. And then into the new year, we're going to be switching to Sunday mornings on January 8th, 8 o'clock. So check us out Sunday, January 8th at 8 a.m. Oh, 8 a.m. I thought it was Which early. means you won't sleep and just stay up all night. Yeah, right. It was good. Early, I thought it was earlier than that. that 8, 8 a.m. is a little more bearable. I was thinking it was 6 for some reason. We expanded two hours after football season. But stay tuned. Stay tuned. Thanks for Ryan Whitney for coming on. Uh, his first appearance with us here on The Skate. Hopefully many more to come. We're brought to you by AT&T, Star Market, and Wise Snacks. And we're uh, getting to some of the backup goaltending uh, situations. But speaking of the bowl games, Pete Shepard just didn't came in here. He's going to be on after us complaining that the uh, New Orleans Bowl doesn't start till 9, but we get into coverage at 7. You can't get enough of these bowl games on uh, day one. What is this on now? The New Mexico Bowl is oh, we're I watching up here? Uh, uh, 10 to 6. I don't know if there's anything that, that's been so like watered down in, since when I was like a, a kid till now oh, is bowl God, games. Brutal. I mean, they're well, we great. Got six of them today. They're great if you're a degenerate gambler. In, I mean, college football because you can't get enough of it. But I just mean like the significance of the game. It used to be, you know, if you played in a bowl game, it was like oh, a big deal. But now, you know, when you got teams with losing records playing in like the you know Pornhub Bowl, it's like it's kind of tough to get fired <laughs> up for you know. That's coming next year, I think. Yeah, Mike and Wakefield's on Saturday skate with us here. Ken Laird and the Admiral. What's going on, Mikey? Hey guys, first time calling in. It's a great show you got going on. Hey, thanks. Appreciate calling. I'm a lifelong diehard. Love the team. Uh, a couple things I wanted to touch on. Uh, Kid Grizzlick, I think, as any young defenseman, he's got a lot to learn about the all-around game. But I think uh, I think he could have a Tory Krug-like impre- uh, you know, uh, impression. I think he's got something special in the offensive zone on that power play. Uh, he's just he's just got that it factor when it comes to the offense. Um, and as far as the two biggest detriments to this team right now, I couldn't agree with Rear Admiral more, is, is the backup goaltender, Anton Kudobin. And as far as Jimmy Hayes goes, I don't know how he collects an NHL paycheck. <laughs> well, uh, I, I, I think it could replace uh, Kudobin and Hazy with uh, Blaine Locker and possibly Locker, Ryan Whitney and have, have an upgrade at those two Ooh, positions. Ooh, a, a Blaine Locker drop. I like it. With Whitney included. Thanks, Mike, for the call. Uh <laughs> Grizzlick, you heard Whitney say he likes him too. As far as you know, being a puck mover, obviously he's a little biased because of the BU connections. But uh, Mike says he likes Krug. There are a lot of people that don't like Krug, and he had a couple of wonky moments, including last Thursday in that Colorado game. Fans were getting on him for, but he played big minutes. What did he, he played like twenty five minutes the other night? They he held Grizzlick to like ten. Yeah, they yeah they cut they definitely cut uh, Grizzly's minutes down. Later in the game, but uh, Krug was a monster when when the the few games that Char was out there. I yes. mean, he he really stepped up. I thought. Um, I mean, you know, the, the, there's people out there who can't stand every player on the team. I mean, you know, I know Krug. They say Krug has a detractor. Everybody on this team pretty much has a detractor out there somewhere. Um, I mean, the knock on him, you can't really knock him for his size. I mean, he's five seven or five eight. He's he, but he plays the game w- with heart and grit and balls, and that's you know what you want out of him. I mean. He, he does what he can defensively. I mean, he's obviously limited because he, he's smaller. But, I mean, if he was 6'2", he'd be, he'd be a dynamic defenseman in his own end because he'd be able to, like, take guys out of the play, use his stick more. Uh, I think for what he has, the size he has, he, he does a pretty good job out there. Dropped the gloves against Gallagher. Not much of a fight. No. Just sort of fell over yeah. that Canadians game Monday. But, hell, give, give him a little credit. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll he, give him your gritting balls there. He answered Ward. the bell. I mean, and that was, I mean, the hit on Shaw was... You know, Charlene, you know, a lot of people thought there was going to be a review from the Department of Player Safety, but not, not at all. I mean, it was a clean hit. It was shoulder was down, and Char extended his head out just as he got hit. So, you know, that was that was that hit was perfect. Trending coming up, top of the hour. We'll get into the backup goaltending situation. Ken Laird and from Barstool Sports, Rear Admiral. This is Saturday, skate 3 to 5 on Saturdays here on Sports Radio WEI.